Mikhail Bulgakov was um, a writer who lived from 1891 to 1914. He was born in the city of Kiev, now capital of Ukraine. Like Chekhov before him, he trained as a doctor and he practiced as a doctor in the early years of his career. But the events of the 1917 revolution and the civil war completely uh, reshaped his entire life. The family was scattered, his brothers went into emigration. And he decided that he didn't want to be a doctor anymore and he wanted to pursue his other vocation, which was to be a writer. Um, he started off most famously writing um, the novel The White Guard, in which he described the experiences of his family in Kiev during the Civil War period, where it was impossible to work out who was going to be in charge from one month to the next. And that novel uh, is a novel in which he develops the themes of personal honour and integrity, which are crucial to all of his work later on in his career. His real success began when one of the um, literary directors at the Moscow Arts Theatre read the novel and decided that it could be turned into a play. And it was staged in 1926 at the Moscow Arts Theatre and was an absolute sensation. Um, nobody expected in the Soviet period to see such a sympathetic account of a middle-class family and its tragedies. Um, one of the paradoxical things, um, one of the astonishing things about this play was that one of its greatest fans was Stalin, um, who we know came to the theatre and saw it something like 15 times. Um, he kept coming back again and again, and it seems very peculiar because it's a novel which depicts the honourable features of the white movement, the middle class, um, which had been the enemy which were defeated by the Bolshevik Revolution. And yet Stalin clearly was fascinated by this depiction of, if you like, his enemy. He was invited to come to the Moscow Arts Theatre and to adapt it for the stage, and he writes a very, very entertaining novel called Black Snow in English, the theatrical novel in Russian. Um, in which he describes this whole process, that he had no idea how to go about it, and the first time he tried to turn it into a play, it was absolutely massive, it would have run for several hours, and it would have been impossible. But there was something about his imagination where he could imagine a little lighted box and people moving about in it, and he suddenly realises that this is what he's doing, he's writing a play. Bulgakov is writing a play which Stanislavski's theatre, Stanislavski's actors, Stanislavski's set designers are going to be able to deal with in the tradition which they're familiar with from Chekhov. But buoyed up by his enormous success um, with this one particular play, Bulgakov then fired off two or three other plays, some of them for other theatres, some of them for different traditions altogether in very different styles. And during his own lifetime, Bulgakov was known as a playwright above all. Um, his prose works were not very well known. That novel, The White Guard, was published only in a journal, which was then closed down, and so not everybody managed to read it. It wasn't published in book form in his lifetime. They only knew the play. Um, and Bulgakov wrote a series, a three or four marvellous plays um, during the mid-1920s, and between 1926 and 1929, he was the king of Moscow theatre. He was the most famous, most sought-after, most lionised figure on the Moscow theatrical scene. The 
period from the end of the Civil War in 1921 until 1929, when it's generally recognised that Stalin consolidates his power, is actually a relatively liberal period. Um, and it's a period when there's a relaxation of censorship, um, there's a certain amount of private enterprise allowed, theatres, publishing houses and so on. And a lot of writers um, and playwrights believe that this is the liberal mood in which the country is going to develop. But what was really going on was that Stalin was consolidating political power um, and at the same time allowing certain groups within the cultural organisations to gain the upper hand. And these were what we call proletarian movements largely. And they then started dictating very fiercely what could be allowed and what couldn't. Stalin himself also liked to intervene um, Stalin liked to model himself on the Tsars like Nicholas I at the beginning of the 19th century who took a personal interest in the works of the great poet Pushkin, for example. We have manuscripts on which we have Nicholas I's crossing out of certain terms, certain phrases that he doesn't like in one of Pushkin's greatest poems. Um, when Pushkin wrote his play, Boris Godunov, Nicholas I commented that actually it would have been rather better if he'd rewritten it as a novel, a la Walter Scott. Um, and so we have this, this tradition, this model of the ruler of the country finding time to be the arbiter of literary matters. And Stalin's vanity was tickled by the idea that he would be the same kind of figure for the writers of the day. And it's very typical that he would drop into a production at the Moscow Arts Theatre or a new staging of an opera at the Bolshoi, just the second act perhaps, with his colleagues or his secretary, and the entire theatre would freeze to wait and see what his reaction was going to be. And if he liked it, then of course it was wonderful, and if he didn't like it, then the play would be taken off that very evening. Um, and this is the kind of thing that Stalin, that Bulgakov began to experience because in 1929, in response to an attack on Bulgakov by a well-known critic, Stalin wrote an open letter in which he said, yes, he thought that the, the latest play, which was Bulgakov's Flight, which in some ways continues the story of the white movement on into um, the later years of the Civil War, he said, yes, he thought this was definitely a subversive text and it, and it shouldn't be staged. One of the features of Bulgakov's personality is his irrepressible energy and creative enthusiasm. And immediately after these, this, this spate of bannings in 1929, which was so traumatic, um, he sat down and started writing two major works. One of them was, completely unexpectedly, a, biography, uh, sorry, a biographical play about Molière. No one expected this. Um, no one could see where it was coming from. But he did a lot of um, serious research into the period and into Molière's life. And in some ways, you might think it was a, a safety play, that you would write a play about an eminent figure who was so remote in time and in space from the present day that nobody could object to it. But of course, he uses the Molière play for a very sensitive and profound analysis of what it's like to be a writer who has to be involved in the staging of plays, manage his love life, but also deal with a powerful state leader like Louis XIV while he's juggling everything else. Stanislavski kept trying to persuade Bulgakov to have Molière on stage with a quill in his hand writing 
his brilliant works of genius. And Bulgakov kept refusing adamantly to allow this to happen. He said it's not about that. It's perfectly clear um, that Moliere is a literary genius. What he was fascinated by was the ways in which you had to negotiate with authority if you were going to survive. But a theme which will come back again and again in Bulgakov's work, and which is summed up in the most famous phrase from his novel, The Master Margarita, is of course the phrase, manuscripts don't burn. In other words, art has a durability which will survive all political oppression, all attempts to censor him, or to censor the writer, censor his works, and so on. Um, and so at the end of the 1920s, Bulgakov sits down and starts to write the Moliere play. He also starts to write what will become the novel, The Master and Margarita. Um, and so his response to banning is to keep writing. Um, the Moliere play, he tried, to he tried to get staged, and after many, many years, it was staged very briefly in the mid-1930s, but then it was banned. Um, the Master and Margarita, of course, his best-known, most wonderful novel, uh, he wrote in complete secret for 12 years, right up until his dying weeks. Um, and it was a, it's a massively subversive, entertaining, brilliant, original uh, piece of writing, um, which only his immediate circle of friends knew about, um, and was a secret which could have, of course, led to his own arrest at any time. One of the consequences of Stalin taking such a personal interest in the fate of different writers and composers, for example, was that they felt that there might be a chance of, of achieving some change in their fate um, when things were threatening to get very difficult and so on. And Stalin definitely um, tried to cultivate that sense amongst the writers of the day. Um, so occasionally he would pick up the telephone and make one phone call to a writer. Very famously, he um, spoke to the poet Pasternak just after the poet Mandelstam had been arrested and had a conversation with him about what he thought about Mandelstam. And Pasternak, who was traumatized by the shock of this event, had to try and find the right things to say um, and felt that he had never quite said exactly the right thing. Um, and then Stalin puts the phone down and it's never possible to get through again. And so he persuades the writers that there's some slight hope that if they could just make contact with him, he might intervene. And Bulgakov was certainly not the only person to write um, letters directly to Stalin, which were usually delivered by Maxim Gorky, who was the sort of minister, unofficial minister for culture, and he was the media, he was the vehicle through whom messages could be passed directly to Stalin, because Stalin and Gorky saw a lot of each other and were very friendly. For example, in the summer of 1930, um, both Bulgakov and his very good friend Zamyatin write very similar letters and deliver them to Gorky, um, asking him to pass them on. And they are letters in which they describe the persecution that they've suffered and ask to be allowed to leave the Soviet Union if everything is to be banned and they're not allowed any opportunity to work. Um, please, could they be permitted to leave the country if only for a short period of time? Um, Stalin, as always, exercises arbitrary choice he allows Zamyatin to leave in 1931. He never allowed Bulgakov to leave. Um, but he did ring Bulgakov up, and he did ask him whether he really wanted to leave. And of course, this is again with a conversation that's suddenly a telephone call that's happened out of the blue. 
you have to think very carefully how you're going to answer a question like that. Do you really want to not to live with us? Um, and Bulgakov apparently said, well, he knew that life was difficult for a Russian writer abroad. After all, what readership would he have? But he did need to work. And um, Stalin suggested to him that perhaps he would like to work in the Moscow Arts Theatre. And Bulgakov responded that he had thought of that, but it hadn't been made possible. And Stalin suggested that if he tried again, a job would be found for him. And sure enough, he was offered um, a job as an assistant director within the Moscow Arts Theatre to keep him alive. Um, and on, on, in the, during the 1930s, Bulgakov on several occasions either did write or thought about writing to Stalin again when things were very grim. Um, but he never had any response again. After that terrible year of 1929, when everything was banned, Bulgakov was allowed to carry on during the early 1930s, and he kept writing new things, and they would eventually be accepted by theatres, and the Moliere play was still being rehearsed. Um, but then in 1936, there is another terrible year when everything is banned. It's the year when Shostakovich's works are denounced and very shortly afterwards Bulgakov's are denounced as well and everything gets taken off again. Um, and Bulgakov is deeply distressed by what he feels is the Moscow Arts Theatre's craven response to any kind of threat of criticism from the repertory committees. Um, and he breaks his ties with the Moscow Arts Theatre at this stage. 1936, 1937, 1938, these are the worst years of the terror. There are people being arrested from the building he lives in, his own friends, his acquaintances, his enemies are all being arrested. Um, the Stalin cult is developing very strongly. And in 1939, it's going to be Stalin's 60th birthday. And cultural institutions are anxiously thinking, how are we going to celebrate this? How are we going to mark this occasion in a way which we will, which will not get us into trouble, but will show our polite respect for uh, the great leader? And the Moscow Arts Theatre, uh, the people who had originally spotted Bulgakov um, and encouraged him to adapt the White Guard, came to him in his flat and said, we are desperate. We need a play. We think you can write a play. So he really was facing um, penury. Um, he was, of course, aware that the slightest wrong move could lead to an arrest. Um, and here was an opportunity to do something which might keep him alive, maybe keep his family alive. Um, and provide some modest income. What he did was to choose um, the very early years of Stalin's career. So it had nothing to do with the, the present day situation. He went to back to eight, the period from 1898 to 1904 with the young Stalin um, being thrown out of school for his disrespect to the school authorities and to the Tsarist authorities, and his very early years as um, a political activist stirring up the workers against the wealthy um, oil refinery owners, the Rothschilds, in the city of Batum, where he lived. And what we have, the play that was written, um, is a perfectly straightforward um, historical account of a young man who is evidently rather charismatic, fairly wise, a good leader, a good underground conspirator. Um, 
So really, it's a fairly uncontroversial portrait. Um, of course, it's flattering to him, but only in as much as any leader of a popular movement who is admired by the by the workers would be. So there's nothing nothing shocking about the play that he wrote. Um, what is much more caricatural is the portrayal of the Tsar Nicholas II, um, which is much more satirical. Um, it's uh, a portrait of a Tsar who is obsessed with um, quack health remedies, doesn't pay much attention to the affairs of state, is easily distracted and is running the country very badly. Well, no one particularly admired Nicholas II, so a satirical portrayal of the, of the Tsar at that stage is, is not particularly startling either. Um, so I think what Bulgakov does is to try and write a decent historical account of very uncontroversial early years. Stalin was an energetic conspirator, and yes, he was sent to Siberia, and yes, he came back from Siberia, and people were um, admiring of what he was doing for the revolutionary cause. Um, it was, ex it was, it seemed to be accepted for staging, and in fact, they got to the um, the phase of designing it. And in August 1939, Bulgakov and his wife Elena um, were asked to travel down to the city of Batum, um, down to the region where Stalin had lived, um, with the design team from the Moscow Arts Theatre to get some local colour, get a feel for um, the environment in which all these events had taken place. And they set off very happily to do this um, in the expectation that the play was going to be staged that autumn. But... Um, they on, on their way, when they were just on the train, um, a telegram arrived um, and it said, the, the reason for your journey has been uh, cancelled. You don't need to make this trip anymore. And Bulgakov immediately knew that this was the end. This was the end of his hopes of having this particular play staged. And he was, they, they turned around and came back to Moscow. At that stage, it was very frightening because... Uh, people had been being arrested all around him all that year. The theatre director, Meyerholt, had been arrested uh, a couple of months previously and his actress wife, Zinaida, had been murdered in her apartment while her husband was in prison by unknown assailants. And as Robert Conquest puts it in The Great Terror, this was generally understood to be a warning to wives. So as far as Bulgakov and Yelena were concerned, they might well be going back to their deaths. As it turned out, um, there were various reasons given to them eventually why the play was being abandoned. It wasn't that Stalin was outraged, it just he, he changed his mind. He didn't feel it was appropriate or whatever. Um, it wasn't a huge scandal, but basically the whole idea was abandoned. Um, but the shock of it seems to have precipitated a crisis in Bulgakov's health. And from that return to Moscow, the day of his return to Moscow, his eyesight began to fail. And he recognised this since he had medical training as a symptom of the nephrosclerosis, the kidney disease which had carried off his own father and which he had always assumed would carry him off in due course. And of course, he was proved to be right. Um, because from the summer of 1939 onwards, he becomes really extremely unwell. Um, what he does do in his final months is to make final corrections to the novel The Master Margarita. When he was 
well enough. He would be dictating alterations to the to the text of the novel. Um, and so he did die in his own bed from this disease. Um, but I think there are many people who feel that he was lucky to have escaped arrest and prison at that stage. The Stalinist regime made it impossible to calculate what you had to do to stay alive um, because part of its frightening nature was that it was so arbitrary. Um, and people like Bulgakov decided just to stick to what they believed in um, and not um, make concessions or public statements which they were always being pressed to do. And I think one mark of his integrity is that when the writers or critics who had attacked him got caught up in the wheel of terror um, and they were arrested and taken away, he was determined never to allow himself to stoop to signing denunciations. So he refused when he was pressed by his acquaintances to sign denunciations of his former enemies. He might have been privately pleased and certainly um, his wife's diaries record her delight when nemesis, as she calls it, um, was visited upon people who had been persecuting him or hounding him for years. But he never degraded himself by um, signing any document uh, in an attempt to improve his own situation. Mm -hmm.